Tim um we're doing something here we're doing something different yeah it's a little different for us yeah we don't, it's so different we don't even know what to call it yet right well I mean I call it show business Tim <laughs> <laughs> all right no but uh, normally we have a pre-planned little topic that we discussed a little roadmap if you will but this doesn't require a roadmap where we're going we don't need roads <laughs> yeah but anyway. We're going to freestyle freaking in the house tonight. Move your body from left to right to all you freaks. Don't stop the rock because freestyle's freaking in. You know we're hot. Yeah. We're going to freestyle. Yeah. We're going to, um, yeah. we're just going to rap you and I. Yes. Yes. Rapping and waxing poetic and My. so on and so forth. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. We're going to just have a free for all conversation based on some like movie news right. and and stuff we're watching currently maybe giving our opinions on it we're going to keep away from spoilers as much as possible on that particular thing but yeah we're just going to free ball it really just let your balls free we could call it a current affair <laughs> where's Mori Povich when you need him yeah why don't we get this ball rolling well then push it Push it real good. <laughs> All right, my peeps, let's dig into some current news as of this recording, huh, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> so James Cameron yes. recently came out and said that uh, he spent a year working on an Avatar 2 script and then threw it out because it was not cerebral enough. Oh, really? Yes. Because Avatar 1 was so cerebral. Yeah. Pocahontas on a different planet. That was my whole thing. It was like, it's Pocahontas and Dances with Wolves. Yeah. And you know what I was thinking? It was Dances with Wolves. That was a book before it was a movie. Right. And the book has a sequel, so I wonder if he read that sequel. <laughs> and it's going to be blue people this time. Ooh. Hmm. So, okay. Well, I mean, did you ever watch that trailer Well, for Avatar yeah. 2? Yeah. The Way of Water or whatever Yeah, something it was. like that. Yeah. I don't know. I guess... I, don't, I didn't see any difference. I know, I, I saw a breakdown on, you know, why the CG is much improved. And it's mm. so subtle that the average person's not going to pick it up, but it is vastly improved. Right. At the same time, I can't really, I, I, it's, it, to me, it was like watching a trailer from Avatar 10 years ago or whatever it was, eight years ago. Right, right, right. I, I didn't get moved by it. Did you? No, no, I didn't. And here's the thing. I... James Cameron, I think, is a brilliant filmmaker. Obviously. He's a brilliant yeah. filmmaker. And and so 
his high marks for me is stuff like the original Terminator and Terminator 2 and Aliens. Right. And I even love like True Crime or True Lies. True Lies was pretty funny, yeah. And so all of those were really great films, I believe. Mm-hmm. Titanic I saw in the theater. I haven't seen it since. Mm-hmm. And it was good for what it was, but it just it wasn't, you know, I don't think it's very magical. Mm-hmm. Well, some you people know. go apeshit for that movie. Oh, yeah. No, no, I know. They I, say it's his best movie, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah, no, technically it's a wonderfully made movie, and there's nothing wrong with it. I think it does exactly what it needs to do. And Avatar, I went to see it. Yeah. And uh, got to see it in the IMAX 3D and everything. And the, the same here. The 3D was was you know en- engulfing the foreground, background, not just popping out stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. It was pretty amazing. It was pretty awesome. I also remember having a massive overstimulation headache <laughs> by the end of it, and having to sit there for like a good two, three minutes. You know, just to right. chill out before I could get up and walk to my car. Yeah. So I saw it then, and I thought. It was it was cool and I was kind of the the picture was bigger than me mm-hmm. in the IMAX you know oh so yeah you're taking yeah. a lot in and I think I was like um, I was in I was hook line and sinker I thought this was the best okay. movie I've ever seen at that particular time right telling other people to go see it right walking out of the theater I remember thinking that experience was great yes but I had issues with how simplistic some of the story was and how it aped off of some of other things I had seen in the past like we said like you know Fern Gully Pocahontas and Dance of the Wolves and that's fine but I think as the days went on after I saw it I I remembered less and less or I was impressed less and less with it Mm -hmm. because the effect of the experience wasn't there. It was just reflecting on the story then. That's all you have is to reflect on, except yeah. for, oh, I remember how I felt about it. It's kind of like trying to feel like you feel when you go on a cool ride. Right. You can never re-experience it the way you did the first time. Yeah. Not seeing it after that first IMAX experience until someone rented it and we went over to their place and watched it and seeing it on a small screen. And that way, I, I couldn't help but kind of Oh, well, this is weak, and that's weak, and this is, you know what I mean? That's that's That was my experience. And kind of being nitpicky about it and everything. It's it's well-produced and well-made, mm-hmm. and shot composition is great, and the, the action is really uh, oriented. You mm-hmm. can see what all's going on, and I love all of that about it. And I have zero problem with the effects. I'm just not invested in... Like, the second time I watched it, I was just like, I don't really care about any of these characters. Same. Yeah, I felt the same way. Once all, like you said, once all the magic was gone and I watched it at home on whatever it was, DVD or cable. Right. You know, just like, like you said, all the flaws stand in front of you and how simple a story it is. And then, you know, you know, the, the, the repetitiveness of the story. And even the fact that he almost plagiarized himself in reverse with the... Uh, exoskeleton fight. Oh, right. You know yeah. what I mean? Which was in Aliens. Right. Except this time the bad guy was in the exoskeleton and the alien was the good guy. Right. And it was vice versa in Aliens. But And so, yeah, watching the trailer for the sequel, I didn't hate it, I but I, I didn't feel anything for it. I wasn't like, oh, wow, I cannot wait to see this. I'll see it. I know I'll see it. It's just yeah. I, I really am rooting for old James Cameron to kind of get into my imagination. Kind of like the same way I do when Spielberg gets in there and does something kind of fantastical and I'm like I hope he makes me feel like I felt when I watched Raiders or Jurassic Park even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I mean if there's anyone out there 
who's going to be able to pull this off in a in a surprising way. Yeah. It's him. Yeah. But I'm not really banking on. Yeah. I don't know what he's going to. We might be in the best position, the, because right. we feel that way. We might go in with our arms crossed and then be like, "Holy fuck, he did it." Do you think so? How old is that movie now? The the first Avatar. It came out in '09. So that's like 12 years old, right? 13 years old. Right. I wonder if there was people who you know were young kids at that age that are now you know like young adults that right this is a magical thing for them i don't know and we're just too old and burned out it's like our star wars or this question was posed to him recently in an interview and talking about do you think it's a little too late to right come in with all of these you know not just doing two but he's doing two and three and four and he said basically he's just like well i'm hoping that the experience he's like i know that there's a lot of younger audiences out there now that didn't get to they've only seen it on tv they didn't get to experience in the theater and he's like and he even says he's like the movie is about the experience right at the theater and so he he said that they're releasing it on the screen again in anticipation for this next one and here's the thing too what Disney did, because Disney owns Fox, which Fox owns Avatar. Avatar. Disney pulled Avatar from Disney Plus, so you can't do it. And apparently, there was a, a significant, like, what the hell, kind of yeah. thing. So maybe there are people out there that are really, still really care about these things. I guess you know, time will tell. But yeah, he's he's coming into a brand new audience. Whether that's good or bad, I will say this: the weekend of the 23rd through the 25th of September, they Disney re-released Avatar onto movie screens, and worldwide it did another 31 million dollars. So he might still have something there. Well, I'll tell you this: Sam Worthington needs the work. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, uh, let's get into the next one, uh, which is near and dear to my heart, and that's going to be that, uh, I think it was yesterday. Sure was. Yesterday it was announced that uh, uh, James Earl Jones will be retiring himself from uh, any more voiceover work for Darth Vader. Yeah, man. What a bummer. It's a bummer, but, you know, like, I think you said it to me earlier today, and I have to agree with you. I'm surprised we got him as long as we did. Yeah. No, for sure. He's 91. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. You got to remember, he was like a young man in Dr. Strangelove, you right. know, and that was in the 60s. Right, yeah. So. You know, just to get what we got from him, and let's just say the last 10 years, uh, he did voice work on the Rebels. Of course, he did voice work in the uh, Revenge of the Sith, and uh, even all the way up to most recently in uh, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Yeah. Right. Just hearing him and seeing the visual of Darth Vader and hearing that voice is something magical that immediately turns me into like a little six-year-old eight-year-old kid yeah and i always you know he's got such a great voice anyway you know i mean right we we as in our youth even probably knew him as the voice of just announcing this is cnn (laughs) yeah yeah that's right and um field of dreams Field of Dreams and Lion King. Lion King, and, Mufasa. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just a treasure to me. I love Yeah, him. and coming to America too, right? Yeah, and coming to America and coming to America he's in again. <laughs> yeah, which I've, I've never seen that. Right, no, I saw it. In, yeah. That's okay. I'll, I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's... It's, I mean, you get it. He's 91, of course. Yeah, I don't want to go sit in the studio. and. Yeah, and, you can't blame him. I, right. I, I'm surprised at 91 he was still willing yeah. to do, because he did Obi-Wan you know, right. earlier this year. Which and, was just 
a per if this is his send off thank yeah. you very much yes that face off with uh, obi-wan and, and and vader was was pretty fucking wicked oh my god <laughs> and 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 very uh, and then the, you know the crossover too at the end with you know i how it happens where it's a little bit of both of their voices right. uh, oh. you know oh it was beautiful. so beautiful it was so badass beautiful so when I first read the story, I was like, oh, man, because I have a little girl mm-hmm. and I want my little girl to grow up to be a Star Wars geek. And yeah. when she's, you know, 15 and 20 and in her 30s, still be able to go out and see some new material with right, right, Darth right. Vader in it because he's so freaking cool. He's such a great character. And uh, well, and they have that AI technology now, too, where like they did with uh, the late great uh Anthony Bourdain. Anthony you know. Bourdain. Well, they even did it for Mark Hamill in the the last. Yeah, in Boba Fett when he was right when they did the deep fake version of right. him. Yeah. yeah. So this technology basically captures someone's voice over the years and compiles it into a computer and then is able to uh, regurgitate whatever lines you need them to do it, like an actual actor's coming in to say the lines. Yeah. And it's amazing technology. And so I guess uh, Vanity Fair has recently reported that. Uh, James Earl Jones has gave his consent. Hopefully, he got paid a pretty penny for this right. uh, to use his voice for further adventures with Darth Vader. So at least we'll always have his voice attached to that character, and that makes me extremely happy. Right, it's so good. Right. Yeah, but it's... anyway, Mr. Jones, go and enjoy the rest of your time. We love you. Yeah, live long and prosper. Yeah. Oh wait, no. I'm not supposed to say that. Uh, we just got canceled. <laughs> 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 and I'm the Star Wars dork. What other headlines? Oh, this is this. I, I picked this one specifically because I think that we are big fans of this. So Jurassic World Dominion just passed one billion dollars at the box office, which proves to me that, hey, you people out there trying hard to make a billion dollars in the industry, you don't have to try that hard, because you don't have to. Yeah, you just do put some dinosaurs on Chris Pratt and his dumbass, and uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I didn't see the movie, but I, I've heard things about it, and I just am not crazy about this newest iteration of Jurassic World. I am not either. I saw the first one. Yeah, I did too. And that was it. Because none of the sequels were that great either from the original Jurassic right. Parks. Exactly. You know? I didn't mind The Lost World. I had yeah. fun with it. Yeah, me too. You know? There's fun things in it. It gets a little too Spielbergy, kid-friendly stuff in there. But there, the stuff that's good the is good. The third one is terrible. Yeah, this is, the third one's not so great. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was pretty checked out from that point anyway. Right. Yeah. You know? So they're already building on shaky foundation when they went into this newest trilogy anyway. For me, but other people seem to enjoy it, and those movies have made, like, billions of dollars. So, hey, good for you people who are right. new and love that stuff. So then Netflix has announced their newest release slate, and I'm not going through what their newest release slate is, but they showed their movies, and then they showed their shows. And I don't know about you, but... I think most of their movies are not great, but no. a lot of their shows are way better. <laughs> and I wonder yeah. why that is, because the quality of their shows seem to be mm-hmm. higher tier. And I, I wonder if that's because of, you know, you have a show, so you have a bigger canvas, and you can tell a better story and all of this stuff. And then you have their movies like, you know, I haven't watched it yet, but that Gray Man thing apparently was like $250 million. They said that that rock... And uh, Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot movie, that Red uh, oh. Notice or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. 
That was like 200, 300 million dollar movie. To make? Yeah. Holy shit. And they wanted to do a sequel and everything. And I'm just like, I didn't watch either one of those movies. So I can't, but it's just, you know, they, they're already saying they don't want to go down the road. They don't want to do artistic pieces anymore. So they don't want to do stuff like they did with Irishmen or the Coen brothers, the Buster Scruggs. They don't want to do movies like that anymore. And I'm just like, that's your good shit. <laughs> so they're basically turning into the rest of Hollywood. Right. Exactly. Yeah, which is like a little the, sad. The actual theatrical Hollywood. Right. Well, and I feel like outside of some of their documentary stuff, their shit has gone... I, I, I almost never put Netflix on anymore. And when I do, it's the same seven things. You know, I think the, <laughs> algorithm, the algorithm gets so tight right. that you can't break out of it, you know? Right. No, for sure. I mean, I go there probably once a week and I'll see, check out their, like you said, I'll check out their true crime dramas. And Most, it's got, both, that's all I ever yeah. watch on there anymore or some of their science, science stuff as sports docs right they have fantastic true crime dramas they do yeah but yeah like a lot of their shows like I, I, I don't want my wife watches the the whole Umbrella Academy and she seems to enjoy that I've come in on a few things and I've been like eh you know it's okay it's I, I really like the first couple seasons and then I'm, I'm starting to lose it now I, I thought it was a lot of fun and yeah but and, and of course Ozark was fucking fantastic but it's done and Ozark is fantastic and Mindhunters was amazing oh god yeah <laughs> Mindhunter but that's like put on hold right exactly so I mean it's gonna take forever I mean I, I supposedly it's it's skewed to come back now yeah, well, I also love that show that they do with Venture again. Uh, that the Love, Death, and Robots—that is phenomenal. Yeah, which is that shit is fucking badass. It's phenomenal, but I mean, of course, contractually obligated. Mister Fincher is behind that particular yeah. thing. So, Mindhunter as well. Right, and they were smart enough to nail down Fincher on a, on a, like I think a six-picture con contract or something like that. So, but he, but if you're saying they just want to do fantastical shit, the the one he did for Netflix was Mank, and that's an artsy and intellectual yeah. film, and it's fucking great. I think that they were probably like, we only want to do, Mr. Fincher, please cover your ears for this. We only <laughs> want to do these kind of, okay, you're good, you're good. We'll do yeah. your stuff, but. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, he's going to do what, you know, yeah. he's kind of earned a reputation to, to be able to do what he wants. That's right. The only time he got pushed around was Fox with the Alien 3, and he was like, yeah. never no, that was, again. <laughs> that was his first movie, though. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, so you can always beat up the young, naive director, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, I, I struggle with Netflix these days, you know. Yeah. But I will say, since we're on the subject of Netflix and true crime docs, uh, the one just came out. Uh, last week, mm -hmm. it's called "The Sins of Our Mother." Okay, and it's it's about the Chad Daybell, Lori Vallow thing. It's a three part one. It's real quick, and it is fucking phenomenal. Really, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I'll have to check it out. I've heard the on the uh, you know on the last podcast on the left side stories. Uh, they've been talking about this case for a couple of years now every every other couple of weeks there those so those names have been in my head for a while right uh chad daybell and Lori vallow and i didn't know anything about the case other than you know there's people missing right and i didn't even know where it was and right right so once i got to all you know i was watching this thing like both my wife and i were watching it like holy shit can you believe this really <laughs> happened and it just happened like it's just now going to court all this stuff so right 
that's uh, anybody out there needs to who loves true crime needs to watch this documentary it's fucking great awesome i'm queued up i'm ready to go yeah yeah so i don't know if you know this but were you familiar with the 1980s fletch movies yeah with chevy chase right oh yeah i've seen them both i saw the original fletch in the theater yeah me too me too yeah uh, so those came from books by an author named Gregory McDonald. Right. I used to love those books because of the Chevy Chase movies. Right. And that there's a John Hamm movie coming out. John Hamm movie is coming, is out, I think, right now. Oh, really? And, is yeah. it in theaters? Yeah, it's in theaters. Okay. And then it's also half or on demand kind of thing. Okay. So, so you can stream it at home, too. I think you have to pay a fee or something for whatever. You wait 45 days, it's going to be on one of those streaming services. Yeah, right. This thing had, so so it's based on a, the novel, one of the novels, which the first Chevy Chase movie was based on the novel. Right. The second Chevy Chase, they went on their own thing. Chevy Chase was like, Fletch I, lives. I can yeah. do this. <laughs> right. Um, and so, it was, wasn't very good. Yeah, it Fletch wasn't lives. very good. Right. Yeah. And so this one's based on a novel, one of the better novels out of all of the ones that they did, uh, as far as talking about just the novels and everything. But... Back in the day, this thing has a long history of trying to be made. And I just wanted to talk, break it down real quick because I don't think we'll ever get around to this in the topic. But so John Hamm won. So in the book, John, Fletch is described as an irresistibly handsome man that probably any woman could find herself thinking that guy's fuckable. Yeah, right. <laughs> and John Hamm's a really good pick for that. Yeah. Chevy Chase, not so much, <laughs> you know, and so, uh, but through the years, this thing has been trying to get made, not necessarily this particular Confess Fletch, which is what this one's called, this novel, but right. a Fletch movie. And Kevin Smith had it for a while and he almost cast uh, Jason Lee as Fletch, which I can kind of see. He's got that kind of, you yeah. know, that smarmy kind of. You know. Well, he only has five actors to choose from because he never branches out. <laughs> right. So it was either going to be Ben Affleck or him or Dante from Clerks. Right. Well, he, <laughs> no, here's the here's the thing. And so he had it for a while. And then apparently the company, Warner Brothers, who owns the property, they were just like, well, we don't think that Jason Lee is big enough right. to like carry a movie like this. So then it kind of jumped around and everything. And apparently, from what I read, this might all be this hearsay or something but mm-hmm. zach braff was brought in for a while to play oh wow and i was like uh-uh. he just no. uh, i mean maybe on that show scrubs because he yeah. had the smart assy kind of thing but uh, he just i don't know i just didn't see that but then for a while and i mm-hmm. thought this one was actually a pretty good pick uh, jason sudeikis mm-hmm. and sudeikis. i was just, sudeikis yeah jason sudeikis he uh, he was picked i'm like he's got a good mixture of i think everything in there yeah, he's not like super hunky, good looking, no, but no. he's he's got that quick wit. Smart, right. You know, I think he's got smart alecky charisma. Yeah. That makes up for I may not be the most handsome person you've seen, but if you see me, you know what I mean. Yeah. And so I thought, oh wow, that's kind of an interesting thing. And then and then of course like it left Kevin Smith's hands, and other people had it. There was even apparently one where um ben affleck was attached to to <laughs> right. it without kevin smith ben affleck wow. was attached to it at one point and they were going to have him playing the son of chevy chase and i was like oh my god yeah that yeah. sounds terrible so i just thought it was yeah. interesting that this this character that i found through the movies with chevy chase 
right. and then went to the books, which was plentiful before Chevy Chase movies ever came out and everything. And the books are way better, way, 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 way better. But to see that John Hamm is now the newest Fletch, and who knows how well it'll do, I don't, I don't know. But apparently, it's getting great reviews. Everyone's saying how great it was, and if it follows anyway, just half of the book, it'll do. I, I mean, the movie's got to be fun, fun, at least fun, because that book was really cool. Yeah, you know, and, and I think the Chevy Chase Fletch and Fletch Lives, they're obscure enough now to, you know, it's been a long time. It's yeah. been 40, 45, 40 years or so. Uh, so yeah, almost. Um, I feel like reinventing it in this different way, there's not a lot of baggage right. left. I mean, only to us older guys, you right. know. There's there's still lines from Fletch that you and I quote. Oh, I like love The, the I, ball bearing thing. Yeah. It's but... all ball bearings these days. I need some 20, 28 <laughs> motor oil and some gauze pads. Right. Yeah. I even, I mean, I still love that that hole where he goes to the doctor and he, the doctor says, bend over. And he's just like, oh, I don't really need that moon river. Yeah, you're using the whole fist, Doc? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> that a, and uh, John Coctosin. Coctosin. <laughs> or even in the doctor's one when he says the whole... He says it's Babar. He goes, is that two Bs or one? Yeah. He's like, it's just one, B-A-B-A-R. He's like, well, that's two Bs. He goes, I thought you meant right next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or when that chick opens the door and she's wearing, she's just out of the shower with the towel, and he goes, can I borrow your towel? I just hit a water buffalo with <laughs> <Yeah>. my car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's back when Chevy Chase was still actually funny. Yeah, he's funny. He's known as the biggest asshole now, so, I mean, right. it's probably why they were like, yeah, we can do a new Fletch. It won't be. But, yeah, that movie has got a lot of of just classic that's probably one of my favorite Chevy Chase movies and it's honestly. got a, a it's got a classic Harold Faltermeyer uh, synth theme yeah well it was a year I think after Axel Foley the Beverly yeah yeah that It sounds very much like Harold Faltermeyer. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just thought I'd mention it because, I mean, I do like that character a lot. And I like John Hamm. I think he's a really good character. A lot of people are kind of naysaying that particular pick. And I was just like, they're com the people who are saying that about John Hamm are people who are like, I'm Chevy Chase and blah, blah you know what I mean? Kind of yeah, thing. right. And not coming from the actual novels, which, I mean, he's a really good fit. Right, exactly. And that's it for my headlines. All right. <laughs> Okay, so I think the next topic I want to talk about is, you know, uh, the whole Disney plusification of the MCU and right. the, a lot of the series that have come out through there and the continuing storytelling. Right. Uh, and then where do we, how do we feel about it? I mean, we're a bunch of grumpy old white men. So. Right, right. And we're also, um, the, the important thing, in case you haven't heard a lot of our past shows, important thing to notice is that I'm a comic book guy. Yeah, and Tim is not a comic book. I am not a comic book right. guy, but you're you're a DC leaning comic book guy. Well, I mean, when I started reading comic books, the very first time I read a comic book, it was DC. I started reading Superman, Batman, uh, you know, Flash, stuff like that. Yeah. And then what eventually happens with all comic books is that they get a little wonky and weird or lighthearted, and so then I straddled the line, went over to Marvel, did that, really liked that, and then Marvel started doing the same thing, got a little light and wonky and playful, so I went back to DC. And what I always loved about DC, what always brought me back to DC was they were a little more uh, gritty. Yeah. And dark, right. and I liked that. 
there was consequences. Right. So I favor DC just a little bit more, but I do. I love me some good old Marvel, and I love Marvel characters. And uh, so the MCU speaks to me in a lot of ways, in certain ways. But just just as a precap, we're not gonna talk about MCU movies because that's gonna be a show down the road for us. Yeah, well, we'll have a whole show. But I think it was because of, a little bit because of the pandemic that Disney, I think, maybe shift towards these TV series a little bit. Well, from what I read, okay. Uh, shorthand. Here we go. Basically, Kevin Feige right. tried some shows out at Netflix, like Daredevil and The Punisher, and all of those. Right. And they basically figured out what they wanted to do and what they didn't want to do. And they were also hinting towards maybe they're a part of the MCU or maybe they're not. Daredevil hinted a little bit at being a part of the MCU, whereas the movies never really recognized them. So that was the first thing. Right. And so going from that, once they tested the waters at Netflix, they knew that they had down a system anyway to bring a series over to Disney Plus once that launched Mm -hmm. and introduce characters that were definitely in the MCU, characters you've seen before in movies, and then also take that platform to introduce characters that may not be well known enough to launch in their own two-hour movie. Mm -hmm. You'd have a bigger canvas to tell their story on, and then they would also be intertwined with the actual MCU. So that was the plan. And in a very short, brief way of explaining it, from what I read. If I'm not mistaken, is is uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the first one, right? Uh, WandaVision was first. Oh, you're right. You're right. WandaVision came before that. So, right. I, I enjoyed those two series, um, WandaVision and the Winter Soldier one. And we had the introduction of your boys, uh, your man's son there. Uh, Kurt Russell's son? Wyatt. Kurt Russell's kid. Wyatt, Wyatt Russell was in there. Yeah. yeah. And... I thought it was pretty fun. And and then Loki came after that, and I also enjoyed that. I, I didn't mm-hmm. think I was going to, and I mm-hmm. ended up having some cool stuff. And then I pretty much after that, they started to lose me right away. And I think I watched the um, Hawkeye, and I made it all the way through, but barely by the skin of my teeth. Right. I was just waiting for Kingpin to show up, because that's when they, you know, you you just made mention to some of the Netflix stuff that had right. gotten obscured, and then part of what they were going to do with these Disney Plus series is reintroduce all these guys right. from that universe, which I really was excited about, because the only thing is, is like Daredevil from... Um, Netflix and Punisher from Netflix, even Jessica Jones from Netflix, pretty fucking gritty and people getting right blood, you know, and I'm, I'm like, how is this going to mesh in with Disney? You know, right. are they going to kind of castrate the uh, violence, uh, you know? Right. So I guess that's to be seen yet. But and, and pretty much everything after that, I think the only other one I've watched I, after that is Moon Knight. Yeah. And I was 50-50 on Moon Knight. So WandaVision for me was a little too big a canvas for such a smaller story. Like it stretched it out, you mean? Yeah, exactly. So uh, all of that stuff with the sitcom stuff, that Mm -hmm. wore on me so fast because all of the undercurrent stuff in those episodes was the stuff I was interested in. And I get to they're trying to do like this slow burn thing and they have a bigger canvas, so they're going to take their time with it. But all of that stuff, this drug for me, I just couldn't wait to get to what the meat of the story was, which was Wanda's hurt and anguish and depression over what had happened to her, all of her loss and dealing with that. And that's the interesting part of the story. And, uh, you know, I loved all the stuff even then they brought, they were bringing in with uh, the Monica Rambeau who who would go on, who was a little girl in the Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. and now right. she's a full-grown adult and dealing with the loss of her. All of that stuff's great, but bringing in like, like that Jimmy Woo character, the agent from um, the Ant Man, 
FBI agent guy, and then uh, Darcy Lewis, the girl, uh, the assistant to Natalie Portman in the Thor movies. Like, get rid of that stuff. I didn't need any of that stuff. <laughs> but the Vision, the Wanda story, and then the Monica Rambo story, all of that stuff's great. That's your centerpiece of the story, I think. Yeah. And that, I think, all of that stuff could have easily been done in like a two and a half hour movie. Uh-huh. You know, keep the Catherine Hahn stuff as Agnes. That's great. I just think all of that stuff can be squeezed in. You don't have to throw in so many red herrings. And and then, you know, bringing in Evan Peters as that fake uh, Quicksilver. It was like, it was Mm -hmm. weird because it set the internet on fire. And I think they knew that they were going to do that, but it it went nowhere. And unless that's like a deep cut that Kevin Feige has in his back pocket that he's going to reveal later. (laughs) I guess I just don't understand why do that. Instead of just telling this extremely interesting story that you have buried under a lot of this fluff. Mm-hmm. And that's how that show felt to me. So by the time you get to the last two, three episodes, I'm in. I love it. I love because we're getting to the heart of the matter. Oh, yeah. And so that was my biggest problem with WandaVision. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier I liked more, but I still have issues with it. What I loved what they did was they brought in Isaiah Bradley, who was the original African-American Captain America. Right. That story is so fucking awesome. Right. And I was really hoping they'd go into background detail on like it. Like, show, uh, yeah, kind of flashback his experience. And the only thing I can think of why you wouldn't do that, because it's such a great story, is they haven't cast the young actor to play that flashback, and it might be a series or movie down the line, maybe, because right. Kevin Feige is really good about that kind of stuff. Okay. So I loved that. I loved seeing Sam who's the Falcon, become finally the uh, Captain America at the end and that impassioned speech that he did. And that. All of that stuff's great. My issue, I think, is when you know you get into all of the Sharon Carter stuff, that stuff felt really rushed. Mm-hmm. And then just introducing the Flag Smashers, which was you know, sort of a great villain in the comics, and it just seems really abbreviated in the series. Yeah. There's a few other things. But uh, again, all of these things, I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier could have easily been a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Hit all the good points in it and still... Yeah been in and out and so that was another one that i thought just went a little long in the tooth for me yeah hawkeye i liked moments of hawkeye mm-hmm. uh, and i think what made hawkeye pay off a little better for me was seeing spider-man no way home before that because that those two things happen concurrently All right and so uh seeing Ch- charlie cox as matt murdoch yeah in no way home Boom. Okay. And Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. In right. in the Hawkeye series, he's introduced Kingpin, and so seeing that stuff and and it lining up the Christmas theme and all of that, I I dug mm-hmm. that. I really dug that. There were just a few missteps in Hawkeye that I thought that they went a little too kid friendly, cutesy stuff yeah. that I wish it would have stayed its course on a little a darker territory there. Because I love the stuff that they're doing with Clint, where they're showing his ramifications of being uh, Ronan in yeah. in game. And everything he did in that is affecting his life now. I love that stuff. That stuff is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Loki, I really dug, out of all of the shows we've talked about so far, I dug Loki the most. Yeah. Uh, it just brought in the timekeepers, and that hit a place in my heart. I loved where they were pushing Loki's character, introducing female Loki. I mm-hmm. love that. And then, of course, bringing in He Who Remains, uh, Jonathan Majors playing Kang, yeah, right. The right, big yeah. baddie for apparently phases five and six. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, that guy is amazing in the show. Yeah, and of course, even bringing in Owen Wilson as Morbius. That all of that stuff's great, and uh, I really dug that show. Yeah, up until I just saw um, Moon Knight, mm-hmm. 
What I did love about Moon Knight, one, you, you cast someone like Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Isaac yeah. That guy's watchable in almost anything except an X-Men movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so uh, j just because the show brings in Khonshu, that's a thing from the comic books. Khonshu's a spirit guide that follows and allows the host of Moon Knight to be Moon Knight. Yeah. And so showing him, which I never thought they'd do in the show, it's just so weird. And right. seeing him, it's like it's like a horror movie, this monster from a horror movie. That was so freaking great. I absolutely fell in love with this. Right. And to see him turn into that. The only thing I, I started having problems with in, in Moon Knight was just a lot of the... I just wish they'd use real suits more. Right. The way the character moves sometimes is just way too, way Perks. too fluid. Too, cur yeah, right. And it, and you're like, well, I'm I'm watching an animated film now instead. Right. Of, yeah. Know. Well, I, and, and that was I enjoyed the, the the look of it. Right. The outfit I thought was fucking cool. Oh yeah. It's but rad. I agree with you. There, it's it, there's it lacks that weight. Yeah. It's it's that CG kind of floatiness to it. There's no you can tell there's there's nothing there because it, Marvel more recent movies and these shows start to look a little too cartoony fakey fake for me right. and then I'm just like okay well let's let's do so. especially when you're dealing with a character like Moon Knight and he's such a and that's the other thing that I loved about the show is that that fucking show is bloody yeah, yeah <laughs> he's shooting some... people in the head and right. he's got blood all over it. I mean they and so that right there was a perfect thing for me to say okay then they they can do Daredevil, and they right, can and you can things. tell the kind of separation here what they're doing. Say, Moon Knight might be a little more adult oriented, and, right? And and these other ones like a Miss Marvel and all that are more inspiring to younger kids, right? Uh, they can't pull my interest though. I have no desire to right. watch them, and then maybe it's because of that because it's made for adolescent kids. My opinion of this is uh, this is not coming from something I've read or something this is just my my opinion is Kevin Feige is looking at the books and saying Endgame happened yeah 10 years to that road 08 we introduce Iron Man those kids who were little when they saw Iron Man in 08 are yeah. adults now right we need to get kids audiences hooked back into the MCU because that's our future right Right. So I think that's why they're going kid light with the, I mean, Hawkeye was very kind of kid light. Yeah, because of his young partner girl. His young yeah. little partner girl. And then, you know, you, like you said, the Miss Marvel thing. And then, of course, I haven't watched it, but the She-Hawk is just going off on this weird sitcom-y tangent thing. Right. And I'm like, right. what is this all about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have no interest in watching any of those. I, yeah. I, they're, they're, they're losing me because something seems to be missing for me that right. uh, the characters just have all died off and changed, you know? Right. Yeah. And I don't feel no. like the ones that are coming in are very like, whoa, I can't wait to see that on the screen kind of thing. Right. Again, this is all our opinions and stuff because those shows do fucking gangbusters and they, they're through the fucking roof. I think the only one that's got did the worst so far is that Miss Marvel show. Oh, it did and, bad? Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what bad means to in, in yeah, the span of right. those Marvel films, but but apparently it's not doing great. But it's weird because they released it on the same day that they did Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan, of course, blew the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. And Miss Marvel was left in the dust, and so I was just like, that's a weird choice to do that to Marvel. I think we should make a statement, too, because, because we are talking negatively about this stuff. I I know for me personally I really enjoy that Disney 
of all the corporations is moving forward with diversity and gender neutrality and all that stuff. I think that's a yeah. good thing. And so yeah. this isn't the reason why I'm not one of those like uh, angry old white guys who's like, well, <laughs> you know, m my next Iron Man can't be a black lady. You know, one of those kind right. of things, you know, right. I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I invite that. I welcome all that stuff. That's fine. Right. I don't, I feel the actual, the quality of the material is going down. Right. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with them trying to diversify. No, not at all. I, th I think that it's great that they're... One, I think it's great that they're em embracing diversity. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, like I said, I love that impassioned speech of when Sam finally takes control and like, I am fucking Captain uh, yeah, America. Exactly. I'm like, fuck yeah, you are. Yeah, I, I got emotional when I watched yeah. that. Yeah, sure. And so... Uh, you know, I, bring that on. I love all of that. So I, like I said, I was craving for them to go back and start telling Isaiah's story. Yeah, Because I'm right. like, that dude has got a powerful... So if anyone else can hit the emotional levels that Steve Rogers did, yeah. it's going to be that guy. Right. And so I can't right. wait to see what they... I hope they don't drop the ball on that guy. I really hope... I mean, Kevin Feige's a smart guy, so I, I doubt he will. He's probably got a plan for that. Right. And so... Right. Um, so yeah, I love all of that stuff. I just think that uh, I think they're trying to reach out. Like I said, with the She-Hulk thing, they're going very sitcom. -y. She's talking. She's breaking the fourth wall and talking to the camera. Oh and really? Stuff like that. I did, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did that in the comics, so they're being very comic friendly. But She-Hulk was never a one like I read an app, uh, issue and I was like, right. yeah, that's not for me. Right. But I'm glad that it's out there, and I'm glad that uh, She-Hulk is being made. And I, I have a little girl, like I said, and I want her to grow up and have She-Hulk right. and have Black Widow and Wonder Woman and all of these female heroes to look up to because they didn't have that in the past, and I want her to have that. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I think you know a new course has to be set for everything to seem new again, and so I'm happy for that, that Marvel's doing that. So here's the gist. You want to talk to us? You want comments? You want reviews? All this horse shit? How could they not, really? Instagram and Facebook, we are mm. at TFTFP Podcast. If you want to tweet us or twit us or whatever it is out there, yeah. you just have to go podcast TFTFP. Yeah, because the other one was taken. Yeah. And <laughs> Jerks. send us a gosh darn glorious little email no dick pics please uh, uh, Tim, don't, at, uh, don't tell him what to do <laughs> <laughs> care of Derek though no, the oh. email the email address is uh, tftfp podcast at gmail.com glorious like subscribe <laughs> and review us and make it positive right I mean you can be negative about other things just don't mention us with the negativity we're, we're delicate over here I got a thin skin You know, and I feel like Star Wars is doing something similar with uh, yeah. Andor, and Andor yeah. is a very, um, you know, we're gonna we're not gonna do any spoilers or anything on on Andor, but um, right, it's a very uh, my age bracket. It's this kind of suspense thriller kind of thing going on and uh, it's a slow burn so far you know because right. they dropped off the first three episodes right away and i watched them all right away of course and uh i i'm in, i 
I'm enjoying it, but I do want them to get to it. I want to see some Stormtrooper stuff, you know. There, there's right. the, the th- first three episodes have zero Imperial. You just hear the word Imperial being thrown around and, right. you know, little Easter eggs here and there. And they're, and they're doing, like, I, I don't know how many episodes it's going to be. So right. I'm hoping it's, like, at least ten or something so we can get into the meat of this. I don't know. or right. I, I'm just hoping, because Obi-Wan was only six. Right. Obviously, Obi-Wan was one of the anthology movies that got canceled and then later turned into... A series, right? So you know, hopefully, Endor's a little more like a like a full like a Mandalorian ten ten episodes right. to tell a good story. Hopefully, it's more Obi Wan and and less uh, Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, another spoiler-free topic. I just want to bring up real quick. Well, then do it. House of Dragons. We're like into the. We're almost done. Actually, we're into the. I think the fifth or sixth episode at this point. And how many episodes is it going to be? Do you know? I think there's only eight or nine oh, or something okay. like that. I don't know if they're doing a full ten this this first go around. Right. I'll just give opinions. Um, I can't say that I'm doing that thing I did with the old Game of Thrones, especially early on in Game of Thrones, where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to watch the next episode. You know, especially once I caught up to the live seasons. And I am like, oh, you know, when an episode ends, I want it to keep going a little bit, but not not in that way where I'm wanting to talk to everybody about, you know, what do you think's going on? You know, like the way it was with Game of Thrones, the the way the culture was affected by it. And it's probably because it's a rehash of of something we've already been through and we're we're greatly disappointed with, (laughs) you know, uh, you and I were both very unhappy with the way this ended, uh, Game Game of Thrones. Yeah, the original series, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I was on board. Like, it took me a few times to come around. People recommended Game of Thrones to me, and I was like, I watched half of the first one. I just, I don't know. It's just not my thing. And they're like, no, just keep watching. And I finally did, and they were right. I got hooked in. Boop! I was in. And so, you know, I was with it for a, a good while. But, yeah, the, the end, not to just keep breaking it down, but the, it was unsatisfactory, for sure. Well, they <laughs> went past the books, right? They, they had right. to write it on their own. So that's where the saving grace is with House of Dragons, is it's already written material from George R. R. Martin. He's also right. the executive producer. So he's he's involved, and he's helped create the show and all that. So hopefully that gives it firmer legs to carry through a complete story that's already been told in the books, right? Okay. The standout for me is Matt Smith as uh, Damon Targaryen. Oh, okay. Dude is fucking phenomenal in this show. He, wow. Th- there's something about, he does a lot without saying a lot. You know how we, we like to talk about that mm-hmm. in, in this show. Where right. He's just, and they're doing it on purpose where there's certain, there's a couple of really key scenes where he has no lines through the whole thing and there's a lot going on. Right. And he's just like, he's just doing everything with a look and it's great. Right. It's fucking cool as fuck. Wow. And uh, there's a couple, you know, there are some good gory things going on that, you know, I'm like, you need this shit in a Game of Thrones, so don't wuss out on it. It needs to be... It's like Walking Dead. Yeah, exactly. You don't watch Walking Dead for human drama. You watch it to watch fucking zombies eat people. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And yes, there's there's dragons in every episode, which is good. I do feel, though, that the quality is not quite what it was on the original series. Right. Once her uh, 
Daenerys's dragons were more grown up and right. granted you didn't see them every episode. I feel like they almost looked a little better in Game of Thrones and maybe it's because, I mean, I know the technology's advanced and the budget's super high on House of Dragon. There still is a little bit of a patched in kind of uh, cartoony okay. look to them sometimes, but you know, right. it's, I, you know, I'm not going to complain too much about it. <laughs> Well, that's good. I'm excited to see the see how this is going to play out, and hopefully, it has a good ending. But I'm I'm pretty content with it so far. I'm 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 not disappointed, really. That's good. It's always good to not be disappointed in the show. Uh, my whole history with Game of Thrones is is it took me a while to get into it. Once I got into it, I really loved it. It started to peter out a little bit and then won me back. But by the last season, I I just I'd had enough and I didn't like the ending and uh, it was just I I don't have any passion about going back. I, I guess that relationship really hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not quite ready to get back into that thing. I ho- I'm hoping that as the seasons go on, it pulls something on me. As as Dexter coming back mm-hmm. in season nine, mm-hmm. I'm hoping I have a, a, a feeling like that. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's the thing is, is it's the only thing that's the same is some of the locations. Right. None of the names are the same. You know what I mean? Because it's 200 years apart. I get it. So I mean, it's almost like watching a different show in a way. Mm. And the last names, you know, the the family houses and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. The, even the way they represent the the uh, Iron Throne in this is more literal, like a literal adaptation of it. Where uh, if you've seen some of the pictures that from, from what our George had described, there's swords everywhere. It's not just the swords in the in the throne. It's and 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 this they uh, well, you know anyway. <laughs> I'm just not buying what you're selling, Tim. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you know, we're coming into October and all that stuff. A series that I have been very excited to hear about or to get to see until I saw the trailer last week and now I'm nervous. And that's uh, AMC Plus's interview with a vampire from Anne Rice. Oh, right. R.I.P. Anne Rice. R.I.P. Anne Rice. Yeah, she's the greatest as far as, you know, uh, I, the, the lore she created for vampires is, for me, the lore of vampires. That's how it should be. I say, if not for her, yeah, we would still just be, all, all our vampire stuff would just be Dracula. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> you know, she got in there and was just like, this is cooler than just this one guy. Right. Right. <laughs> what? Well, so here's... <sighs> I guess the, the negatives, I'll just get the negatives out of the way. The it, the show looks cheap to me. I, oh, it, okay. It looks like, you saw the trailer, right? Yeah. It looks like it's made from iPhones or hand video, home right. video. Like when you used to see like on-demand movies back in the, uh, <laughs> in the late 90s and stuff, it has that kind of weird um, plastic videotape look to it. I, yeah, I, I, I know what you're seeing, saying by watching the, the trailer, and I'm wondering if because they've decided to film it in a style of lighting from the time period, kind of like a Kubrick maybe, that it makes the, the film our digital version of how they're shooting this the way it's lit, it makes it come off as a little bit cheaper. There's still the part where he's being interviewed is right. modern times, and it still looks the same. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I just watched it that one time, and yeah, I, I definitely on the old-timey stuff. I, 
the minute I got to the end of that trailer, the first thing I thought was, damn it, I wish HBO would have got a hold of this, or I wish Netflix would have got a hold of this, because it probably would have had a bigger budget without yeah. AMC behind it. Well, AMC, thing, AMC brings us cool shit. It's just a lot of their shit that's really good is not based in fantasy. But look at The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead looks better than most zombie movies. Yeah. As far as, I mean, granted, the show's gone off the rails. I'm right, not right. talking about that part of it. I'm just talking about it has a filmic quality to it. It looks like a movie. Yeah, no, for sure. And the special effects are fucking phenomenal in that show. What I'm saying is, I think you're going off of a person whose history with Walking Dead is many seasons. But if you go back and you watch that first season, if you see that scene where rick is walking down the freeway mm -hmm. and the cars yeah are it all, looks very cartoony it looks it, yeah, yeah it, it's it's lesser than and then when you get to season three yeah season they have four. to prove themselves to earn the budget right and i think that might be what you're pinging off of in that particular trailer and also it's coming from a very beloved property yeah a property and a text from someone from someone who changed like we said changed the fucking paradigm of this particular species of fantasy character i don't, I don't know i mean because there's still something about the original breaking bad these are all amc shows the original breaking bad uh mad men and all of that that have a very they don't look cheap they don't look this looks like it's plastic i don't know how to explain it it looks like it's on a sound stage it looks two-dimensional and it has that very videotape made with camcorders kind of look to it yeah no i definitely noticed it in the lighting and stuff like that and how it kind of looked a little cheapy in that way i i don't i guess i just didn't pay attention to the more modern day stuff and how it looked but i you know it's just hard for me to get excited about that particular property because unfortunately i don't think anything's going to ever beat your imagination yeah. of reading that book and right. how she creates this world in your head you know the theater in the mind it's it's hard to compete with <laughs> yeah we'll see i guess and the, well, the one thing i do like though is how they are and of course because of this m more uh diverse culture we live in now they're more openly embracing the kind of homosexual kind of relationship between Lestat right. and he calls him his husband in the thing we've been married for how many ever years and I think we've talked about this in another show and I whenever I first read those books I kind of took it as well gender's irrelevant to vampires mm -hmm. this is what Anne Rice is trying to tell us right Anne Rice is trying to tell us that the reason we have as humans biology you know uh gender and biology is to procreate right mm -hmm. you have to have a penis and a vagina to procreate that's nature right work for me so that's why there's men and there's women <laughs> but um and then the construct of whatever you want to be blah 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 yeah that's modern technology you know modern look on up but the idea with the story she's telling in these novels in the 70s is that's irrelevant to a vampire. It doesn't make mm. any sense. You know what I mean? Like the ideas of a uh, a vampire getting an erection and and having vaginal intercourse with a woman doesn't really quite make sense because he doesn't have a a, a heart that beats that right. pumps blood to push his dick up. And the right. way they procreate is by biting each other on the neck and trading blood. Right. And that doesn't involve gender, right? Right. Right. So that's to me. That was kind of what she did to revolutionize. 
the whole vamp- vampire mythos, mm-hmm. which I thought was super fucking cool. And and this show is getting to embrace that. Exactly. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully, you know, the look of it doesn't get with me too much, you know. Right. I, I was just hoping that, you know, because of the runaway success of The Walking Dead over the years, that they would dump a lot of money into this show to start with. Mm. The way they did with Game of, with uh, House of Dragons, but right. that's, like you said, yeah. HBO is H- a little different. Right, different. well, H- HBO is and Disney are the big boys at this table. Well, I guess Amazon, actually, because they spent $700 million, I think, on that Lord of the Rings thing, and I just I can't believe I mean, I haven't seen any of these that we're talking about. So I have watched uh, an episode and a half of the new Lord of the Rings series, and uh, they've definitely taken a lot of care, and, and it, it, has, it does look really good. It looks right. amazing. Well, um, where are you coming from that, though? Are I'm not a, a big Lord of the Rings, Rings person. I, I guess because uh, generationally, you know, I was a young kid in the 70s, so Star Wars is my Lord of the Rings. Mm, you know what I mean? Because right. Star Wars is kind of a ripoff of a Tolkien story in a way. Right. So uh, that's the one that connected me. That's the one I stick to. I never got, I mean, uh, it's okay. I thought the movies could get a little boring after a while. You know, the Peter Jackson movies, especially that third one. It ran on (laughs) and on and on and on. I'm like, Jesus Christ, end already. So, you know, I don't hold hold it dear to my heart. (laughs) Right. But I think they're doing, you know, they're catching a lot of flack too, unfortunately, from some of these older white guy fans that are mad that they're because they diversified the cast there's there's wit there's right. a lot of women characters and there are some elves that are of color and then a lot of you know and i guess they there's been a lot of like social media shit talking because of that and it's that's unfair and kind of not cool but right. i it, that shit didn't bother me at all you know what i mean it's one of those things that you start to see the ignorance of fandom sometimes when anything of uh color or you know if they change the man to woman or mm-hmm. anything like that you just see the people come out of the woodwork like wow <laughs> yeah. captain america cannot be black or whatever <laughs> right. you know? yeah it's whatever like, they want to pick on right they got shit for that I'm like that's fucking comic accurate you dumb yeah man. that happened in the fucking books dumb dumbs right So, uh, let's continue on with Halloween. Scary season, all the inflections in the voice I'm supposed to do. Right before you get to what you're going to pick, because we're going to pick little hidden gems of what we think, right? Yeah, right. But before that, do you have a go-to Halloween thing that you watch every year, or you like to watch, or a particular horror story or anything? No, not really. All right. I like to um, just revisit random shit every now and then. Okay. You know what I mean? There's not one in particular I have to watch every year. No. Okay. I straddle a line on both of what you just said. I have one that I have to watch every year, mm-hmm. and then I have something that I do every year or try to do every year where I try to watch at least 10 horror movies that I've never seen before. Okay. Well, what's the thing you have to watch every year? I have two. I have the Charlie Brown. Yeah, that right. The Great Pumpkin. Great Charlie Pumpkin, Brown. right? Yeah, I yeah. think I remember. Yeah, I think you've mentioned that in the past. Right. Yeah, and I always watch John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. So. Um, no, I just like to. I think I'm just more or less do more more of your ladder. I try to find a few things that I haven't seen before, and right. uh, you know, and, and revisit some of my favorites, like John Carpenter's The Thing or something like right. that. You know. Right. But no, you, you, for a hidden gem, this is one that was 
completely off the radar for me. I had never heard of. And you mentioned it to me, and you did one of those... You know, I know we give each other recommendations, but this is one you really need to do kind of thing. Right, yeah. You did that for me with Creep. Right. The Mark Duplass movie, and that one was another one that was... Right. I found this one you're about to talk about because I watched 10 horror movies that I never... Oh, okay. I give them a chance. That's how I found it. Okay. Yeah. So it's a Stephen King adaptation called Gerald's Game. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think it was... It might have been last year that you told me to watch it. Was it last year? Maybe the year before? The year before, maybe. Yeah. Because it came out in 2017. Okay. 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 Hit Netflix in 2017. It's one of those... It's a, the, the, the basic premise is, is this married couple that have been married for a while. They're struggling with their uh, romance and intimacy, and they're going away to this vacation house to, uh, you know try and get the sex back into their spice life. Spice it up. You spice it up. Well, not even just spice it up, just have sex. I don't think they've right. had sex for a while and all that. And he starts getting a little kinky at a certain point and wants to handcuff her to the bed, so he handcuffs her to the bed, and then he has a heart attack and dies. And, she, and, she say, and, that, and that's, oh, I won't say anymore. Right. That, that's just enough to get the premise going. So this is a lower-budget film and all that, and right. uh, you can feel it, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. The story is enough that it, it there's a it's cool it's super yep. cool and and leave it to Stephen King man you know he can yep. still surprise yep. me it's fi- it's funny to think you know I've been watching right. his stuff for forty years and and a lot of his adaptations over the last twenty years because of the success of the first twenty years the last twenty years are just they're just throwing anything out there and they're yep. not very well done and and this one was a surprisingly freaky and entertaining and fucked up <laughs> right so yeah. so this guy who directs this movie michael flanagan yeah he has a stephen king fetish i think because he did that one and then he also did what i will recommend is dr sleep oh yeah that movie got so much shit when it came out right because they oh they're just trying to harp off of this or do this or that or whatever and i think Dr. Sleep is really a great watch. Especially yeah. if you're a fan of the book. Yeah. Or if you're a fan of The Shining. Just Stanley, Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick's The Shining, yeah. right. Yeah. Right. Ewan McGregor plays the grown up Danny Torrance. Danny Torrance, Torrance yeah. yeah, and he's struggling with alcoholism and all that stuff because right. of this. Yeah, it's great. It's I thought it was great. I mean, yeah, yeah, the whole yeah. threat is a little goofy on it. Right. But, you know, there's enough of bringing back the old shit that it yeah it it, it worked for me yeah I, I mean i'm not saying it's anywhere near on par of the shining you know no no i'm just saying that for a movie that got a ton of shit of being a giant piece of shit movie that's all i heard about it right and then when i watched it i'm just like this is really well directed it's got a creepy vibe it hits yeah. all of those notes that if you're gonna have to go back and revisit things i won't get too specific from the original jack nicholson shining stanley kubrick movie right. it does it so eloquently and yeah. so beautifully that right. i'm just like oh i i'm it's right in my feels right now like right. you're hitting me good right and plus it's ewan mcgregor he's he's just such a fucking watchable guy i love yeah. that guy yeah yeah, yeah, that's that's good. That's a good uh, hidden gem thing there. Yeah. So, so go watch it. Go watch them. God damn it. You poop faces. <laughs> <laughs>
since we're on scary movies and these are I know we've talked about one of them before but did you ever see Hereditary and Midsommar yeah yeah man Midsommar fucked me up in a weird way me too (laughs) and it's that it's another one of those things it's just slow burn yeah what's gonna happen things that's setting up to where you your mind starts to go down these cliche movie things where all this is where that's gonna jump out of that and it doesn't happen doesn't do Uh, it oh it's over there maybe there (laughs) yeah which is great because yeah you know, there's, that's the problem with most horror movies is they're so fucking formulaic. You you, yep. you you can see everything coming a mile away. Yep. And and yeah, Mid Midsummer gave me that same anxious, nervous pit in my stomach the way that Hereditary did. Uh, yeah. Uh, that I'm like, oh, I you know, I this is so uncomfortable, and I love every minute of it. I, it's yep. like I I, I want to like both. Turn it off and keep watching at the same time. Right. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that dude's going to do some more stuff. The suspense is terrific. I hope it lasts. That guy, with just those two movies, does exactly what I hope to experience in a horror movie, whereas I don't want it to be a series of, ooh, oh, that got me. Yeah, jump scares, yeah. I want it to be like I walk out of the theater, I'm just like, I am not going to be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or and you'll keep thinking about them for right. days and days, and days and days and days, and being like, "Remember that one part where that happened? Jesus, that is awful." <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I had this. I had a, the exact same feeling with Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson. Uh, oh man! I watched it because I heard about her in it. <laughs> you know, she's a very you being a little naughty, being boy. a little cheeky and pervy. <laughs> Yeah, she's fully nude in that movie, but um, and that was kind of like I'm going in thinking, "Ooh, this is going to be enticing," you know. And then right. as the movie's going on, I'm like, "Oh my God, what's happening?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this and uh, that that one even more than Hereditary and Midsummer, it stuck with me for a solid four weeks. Oh yeah, I oh, kept yeah. thinking about that movie for a month after yep. it happened because it was so unsettling and so weird and doesn't explain itself at all and I like that I like being challenged yep when I'm when and when it's done well anyway right uh, being challenged in a way to think for myself and kind of like yep draw my own conclusions because that's kind of the fun of it that's kind you know even though it, it, it was like a, an unnerving mm-hmm. uncomfortableness like I was saying in the other two movies it set my brain on fire right. No, for sure. That movie, I went to see at the theater just because I wanted to... You wanted to see Scarlett Johansson naked. I, yeah, I was <laughs> I was working at the theater, and I'm like, I want to see those things on the biggest screen possible. <laughs> um, but I went with my wife. Who also wanted to see Scarlett yeah, Johansson. Yeah, she wanted to see. She's just like, I want to see Tedos. <laughs> and so we both went to see... <laughs> We both went to see this uh, movie, I, and one of the other reasons I wanted to see it, aside from the aforementioned, was that the the uh, I read that the the movie feels very Kubrick esque. Yeah, right. And so I was just like, well, that got my money. I want to see it. Yeah. I want to see what they're talking about. And so I went in, and and it does like I. This feels like the most Kubrick film I've seen since his passing. Yeah. Not not that I would even think he would do it like this guy did the movie but the way the guy holds on shots and slow pushes in stays on people and the story's not hurried at all it's not hurried and it's not 
trying to lead you one way and make you feel emotions by playing a certain song or right. any of that stuff. It, this movie is totally figure it out for yourself. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, And yep. if you don't like that, you're not going to like this movie. Right. The movie switches gears like two or three times yeah. as far as like... What's happening. Yeah, right. I don't want to give it away, yeah. I guess. But, um, right. And so the, I was in the theater with my wife and there was like eight other people in that theater. Right. And... Halfway through, about three people were already gone out of that. Yeah, eight. right. And by the time the movie, when the credits hit in that movie, there was one guy that was three rows down from us, and he goes, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was. He was pissed because yeah. it wasn't wrapped up in a bow at all. Right. Exactly. And so, that's the one. Uh, we're not going to spoil anything for you, but. If you're the kind of person who likes things wrapped up for you and a happy ending, don't watch this movie. No, it, yeah, it doesn't. I don't even know if it gives you an unhappy ending. It just gives right. you. It's just an ending. It gives you an ending. Right. Yeah. And yeah. No. And that's how my wife was. She was just like, well, aside from the tits, that movie I did not like. <laughs> and I was just like, I like the tits and the movie. Yeah, I thought the movie was super challenging. Right. Like it just. Like I said, it set my brain in motion, and I couldn't shake it, especially the first week because I started talking to you about it, you right. know, right away. It's just like, and I'd be at work and just like going, "Wow, I wonder what that meant? What the <laughs> fuck was going on there? Yeah, you know, yeah. right. why did they introduce that one particular character, right? Who was so out of left field? And a movie just releases a series of earwigs that dig their way into your brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah." <laughs> Yeah, it's and definitely not for everybody, no. but it is spooky and it's weird and uh, it's disturbing. Yep. And, and it's in Scotland too, so they, all the yeah. location, it's beautiful, you know. It seeps, that movie seeps with atmosphere. Right, yeah. So beautiful. You know, the, obviously Midsummer and uh, Hereditary aren't necessarily hidden gems, but um, the other ones are. Our hidden gems were those first two that we talked about, yeah, which right. was Gerald's Game yeah. and Doctor Sleep. These are just tangents that we're just... We're going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, midsummer with that that first thing with the cliff. Yeah, I was like, "Oh my yeah. God, what is happening? What just happened?" By the time that what you're talking about happens, yeah, the tension has already been so ratcheted up. <laughs> yeah. You cannot wait for a pressure release, yeah, and then when right. that happens, you're like, "I don't want this. I do not want this. <laughs> this isn't the release I want." <laughs> That's I take exactly. it back. Mommy! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, like in True Crime 2, uh, the rise of popularity and cult stories and all that. And this right. kind of fit, this is kind of a cult story. Right. So uh, it kind of feels in that environment that's kind of popular right now, anyway, yep. even though it came out a few years ago. but So if you're a fan of True Crime and you know a little bit about cults that can sometimes go not great yeah right that helps ratchet up the tension pretty good <laughs> yeah yeah for sure well that's our first experimental news chat reel kind of what you don't know what the hell we're gonna title this fucking thing yeah it was a fun little... I had fun listening to, to us talk in real time, and <laughs> yeah. hopefully you'll have fun in not real time. Right, right. So, I guess I still have to kind of hit the button, though, to end this thing. Yeah, I mean, the transmission's going, so... Okay, then, bye-bye. Here we go. Boop.
The Emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. 